college students in the Philippines today are familiar with the National Service Training Program or NSTP, a civic education and defense preparedness program they're required to undergo for two semesters. They can choose to take one of three NSTP components, one of which is the military instruction program called the Reserve Officers Training Corps or ROTC, arguably the most difficult of the three due to its physical demands. For generations before, however, the ROTC was mandatory for male college students and it was only after the murder of a college sophomore from the University of Santo Tomas that the program was made optional. You're listening to Stories After Dark, a Philippine true crime and mystery podcast powered by Anchor and released exclusively on Spotify. This is the story of Mark Walsanchua, who in 2001 went missing and was found dead days later after exposing the corruption and abuse that went on within the University of Santo Tomas ROTC unit. Listener discretion is advised due to the graphic and sensitive nature of this story. Mark Walsanchua was born on November 30, 1981 to Wilson and Amelita Chua. He got his elementary and high school education at St. Jude Catholic School in San Miguel, Manila, and he took up mechanical engineering at one of the top institutions for higher education in the country, the University of Santo Tomas in Sampaloc, Manila. Little else is known about Mark's life, but in the year 2000, when he was 19 and a college sophomore, he would bring to light the biggest controversy surrounding the country's then-compulsory military instruction program, the Reserve Officers Training Corps or ROTC. ROTC in the Philippines began in 1912, but President Manuel El Quezon's issuance of Executive Order No. 207 in 1939 made the program obligatory at colleges and universities with a total enrollment of at least 100 students. This was to help fulfill the reserve force requirement of 400,000 men by 1946. When World War II broke in 1941, the organized ROTC units of 33 colleges and universities took part in actual military action for the first time. In 1946, despite World War II being over, the Philippine Army headquarters reactivated the pre-war ROTC units. In 1967, President Ferdinand Marcos rescinded Quezon's Executive Order No. 207, promulgating in its place Executive Order No. 59, which required ROTC at all colleges, universities, and other institutions with an enrollment of at least 250 male students. Marcos also issued in 1980 Presidential Decree No. 1706 or the National Service Law which made mandatory for all Filipino citizens national service in either of three categories, civic welfare service, law enforcement service, and military service. In 1991, Republic Act 1777 or the Citizen Armed Forces of the Philippines Reservist Act was signed by President Corazon Aquino and enacted by the 8th Congress of the Philippines providing for the organization, training, and utilization of reservists referred to in the act as citizen soldiers. The reservist organization's primary pool of manpower was the ROTC's basic and advanced course graduates. While the ROTC did serve the country well during wartime and had produced graduates who went on to become high-ranking military officials, there was discontent over how the program was conducted and allegations of corruption plaguing its individual units. Student groups included ROTC in their list of grievances about their institutions, and student papers often contained essays regarding the pointlessness of the program, questioning its relevance in pursuing a college education. 
Lawmakers also introduced resolutions intended to abolish the program. Being a cadet sergeant major and member of the School Intelligence Network of the University of Santo Tomas ROTC Unit, the USD Golden Corps of Cadets, Mark Wilson Chua had first-hand knowledge of the corruption and abuse occurring within the program. Because ROTC was a requirement in college, attendance to the program was important and cadets would buy attendance cards on the first training Sunday with prices ranging from 10 to 20 pesos. Towards the end of the semester, ROTC officers required cadets to check their attendance records and ensure they hadn't exceeded their allowed absences. An attendance clerk would, for a fee, make a cadet's absences disappear so they could pass the program, and higher-ups were willing to look the other way in exchange for a share of the profits. Military uniforms and insignia were also required of cadets, and ROTC officers could make a quick buck by controlling access to the supply of such paraphernalia as well as charging other unnecessary fees. A 250 peso fee for army patches would be collected upon enrollment during the first semester, and there was a 20 peso registration fee during the second semester, apart from the 300 peso ROTC fee. Cadets would also pay 10 pesos whenever they took their preliminary and final exams. Palakasan or bribery was also a practice where cadets with cars could drive officers around campus during training sessions so they didn't have to march under the rain or in the heat. Students who wanted to be exempt from the course itself could even pay UST's Department of Military Science and Tactics, to which the ROTC program belonged, a standard price of 1,500 pesos per semester. This promoted social inequality as naturally only cadets who were well-off would be able to reap these benefits. The ROTC also instilled fear, hatred, and violence among cadets such as during hazing and when gay students or anyone with a dissenting lifestyle or opinion was ostracized. This couldn't be more apparent in what was about to happen to Mark. In December 2000, together with fellow engineering sophomore Romulo Yumol, Mark took everything that he knew about the corruption, abuse, and other irregularities such as hazing within the USD ROTC unit and reported it to the Department of National Defense supported by complaints from other cadets. The complaint was given due course by the National Capital Region's Regional Community Defense Group. The following month, on January 9, 2001, Mark and Romulo submitted a copy of their complaint to UST's official student publication, The Varsitarian. A week later, on January 16, after a series of investigations by the DND and NCRRCDG, Group Commander Colonel Froilan Maglaya dismissed from office UST ROTC Commandant Major Demi Tejares. The Varsitarian then published in its February 21, 2001 issue a story titled Struggle Against the System, citing Mark and Romulo's formal complaint. This led to the removal of other UST Department of Military Science and Tactics command and staff from their positions. Mark received death threats following his revelation, and the new ROTC commandant, Captain Rodolfo Batang, advised Mark to undergo security training at Fort Bonifacio. At around 4 p.m. on March 15, 2001, Mark's father Wilson called him, asking about the recordable CDs he had asked Mark to buy for him. Mark told his father he would be home by 8 p.m. At 10 p.m., Wilson and his brother were eating at Hussein's Kebab along Makati Avenue. Wilson's brother texted Mark to follow them at the restaurant and gave him directions, to which Mark replied, quote, I'm on my way, Dad, end quote. Mark didn't turn up at the restaurant, however, and at an hour and a half past midnight, Wilson and his brother started looking for him. 
They went to the USD Rokerowanyu building near the engineering complex, but when they didn't find him there, they went home instead and Wilson called Mark's friends to ask them where he was. Wilson's cell phone rang at around 4am and it was Mark's number on the screen. An adult male voice spoke when Wilson answered, asking for ransom money and cautioning against contacting the police. Quote, Nasa amin na ang anak mo. Huwag kang maingay sa mga pulis. Bibigyan kita hanggang bukas. Maghanda ka ng 3 million pesos kung gusto mong makita pa ng buhay ang anak mo. End quote. Wilson received another call later asking for the ransom money. And when he said he was refusing, the voice on the other line said, quote, No money, no son. End quote. Wilson didn't hear from the kidnapper again. Two days later on March 18, a man's decomposing body was discovered floating in the murky waters of the Pasig River, near the Jones Bridge at the back of the Manila Central Post Office. He was wrapped in a big carpet with his head covered in cloth and silver packaging tape, his hands tied behind his back with combat boot laces and his feet bound by packaging tape. His eyes popped out when investigators removed the tape from his face as the body was bloated and already in an advanced stage of decomposition. Due to the same reason, police found it difficult to identify the body and described it as that of a man in his 40s. Another two days later, Mark's parents reported their son's kidnapping only to find out shortly after that he was already dead. The decomposing body found in the Pasig River was identified by Mark's mother as that of her son through his belongings in a dog tag with the surname Chua on it. Mark's family and friends, including Romulo Yumol, couldn't help but think that his death was related to his expose of the USD ROTC unit. On March 24, police investigators concluded that Mark didn't die at the hands of a kidnapped for ransom gang. The young man was murdered, and according to autopsy reports, the cause of death was asphyxiation. Sludge was found inside Mark's lungs, which meant that he was still alive when he was thrown into the river. On April 25, 2001, two witnesses named Rico Hernandez Nicolan and Jeffrey Lucena claimed that they saw four men dumping Mark's body in the Pasig River. The two identified as suspects in their sworn statement, brothers Genesis and Jeffrey Binagatan, who were part of former USD ROTC commandant Mijares' staff. The brothers were immediately arrested and according to the NBI, Genesis Binagatan allegedly masterminded Mark's abduction and murder. The following month in May, Mark's family appealed to authorities to give them security as there were suspicious men in cars watching them across the residence at LPL mansions in Makati City. The Varsitarian published a special reports article titled Final Salute, Calling for Justice for Mark. USD also led seven other schools at the University Belt in calling for ROTC's abolition in a statement titled The ROTC Excising a Cancer. The next month in June, USD awarded Mark the San Lorenzo Ruiz Medal of Courage and USD student activist groups led a national day of protest against the ROTC with hundreds of USD cadets walking out of training and chanting, quote, Tomashan cadets no more, end quote. Armed Forces of the Philippines Chief of Staff General Diomedio Villanueva also conferred posthumously on Mark the Outstanding Achievement Medal, the highest award given by the AFP to civilians, for his performance in the USD Golden Corps of Cadets, quote, with dedication and commitment and at times without regard to his personal safety, end quote. There were more mass walkouts and other acts of protest against the ROTC organized by cadets and student activists from various universities. All of these demonstrations finally bore fruit when on July 23, two bills concerning the ROTC program were introduced during the 12th Congress. 
two months later on September 4, President Arroyo approved DND Secretary Angelo Reyes's recommendation to let college students choose between civic welfare service or law enforcement service in place of military training. In October 2001, the National Bureau of Investigation narrowed down the suspects in the case to the following USD ROTC cadet officers, Arnulfo Apari Jr., Patrick Christopher Cruz, Jeremy Dunuan, Michael Von Renard Manangbao, Franco Salvador Suelto, Eduardo Tabrilla, and Paul Joseph Tan. In January 2002, the DOJ filed murder charges against Apari, Manangbao, Tabrilla, and Tan. An extradition request was made for Manangbao, the son of a Kabanatuan police superintendent, as he had fled to the United States before the criminal charge was filed against him. The next month, in February, Apari surrendered to the NBI's anti-organized crime division. Dunuan and Suelto, on the other hand, eventually became state witnesses in exchange for immunity. According to Suelto, he attended a cadet officer's meeting on March 15, 2001, inside the DMSD office at the back of the USD grandstand. Present at the meeting were the accused Manangbao, Tabrilla, and Tan, as well as several other cadets. After the meeting, Suelto, who was a first-class ROTC officer and campus journalist, headed to the officer's lounge to work on an article for the school paper. Before entering the lounge, however, he saw fellow first-class officer Apari dragging a young man wearing a USD engineering uniform with the man's head wrapped in tape and his hands and feet tied behind the back with shoelaces. As Suelto worked on his article on a computer in the officer's lounge, Tabrilla and Tan brought in a large brown carpet and with the help of Manangbao, they wrapped the young man's body in it. Apari helped Manangbao and Tabrilla load the body into a white pickup truck and the three of them left the campus past midnight. The following day on March 16, Suelto was invited by Manangbao, Tabrilla, and Tan to have dinner at a restaurant in Paranaque City. They didn't talk about the night before, but when the four of them went to Tan's rented house, it was then that they discussed the problem of disposing the body. Tan ordered them to board the white pickup where the body was being kept, and they drove around till they reached the Pasig River in Lawton, Manila, where they finally dumped the body. Before they left the riverside, Tan gave them a warning to keep the crime a secret. During the trial, the defense maintained that Mark was killed during ROTC hazing rites, but the judge said there was no reason to believe that the four accused men didn't murder Mark. On March 31, 2004, three years after Mark's death, Arnulfo Apari Jr., who was the only one of the suspects in police custody, was found guilty of murder and sentenced to die by lethal injection. He was ordered to pay 50,000 pesos to Mark's family as indemnity. Judge Romulo Lopez of Regional Trial Court Branch 18 noted that Mark's parents didn't seek civil damages. Lopez's 72-page decision indicated that the actions of the perpetrators denoted sadism, delighting in making Mark suffer slowly and gradually and causing him unnecessary physical pain in the consummation of the crime. Mark's mother Amelita, while relieved when the verdict was announced, didn't think that the conviction of just one of his son's murderers was enough. Mark's father Wilson called on the public to help find the three other suspects, but he would soon be unable to continue fighting for justice. He passed away in 2006, the same year that capital punishment in the country was abolished, which led to the commutation of a Paris sentence to life imprisonment without parole. Also in 2006, Eduardo Tabrilla pleaded guilty to homicide and was sentenced to 6 to 14 years of imprisonment. Though there have been no news updates about his release from prison, he would have completed his 14th year in 2020 and is presumably free already. The two remaining suspects, Paul Joseph Tan and Michael Von Renard Manangbao, remain at large as of this recording.
The wave of anti-ROTC sentiment set off by Mark's expose led to the Philippine Congress filing several bills, many of them acknowledging Mark in the text. Republic Act 9163, otherwise known as the National Service Training Program or NSTP Act of 2001, was promulgated by the 12th Congress of the Philippines on January 23, 2002. Under the NSTP, both male and female college students of any baccalaureate degree course or technical vocational course are obliged to undergo one of three program components, one of which is the ROTC for an academic period of two semesters. ROTC being a prerequisite for graduation was effectively rescinded. Since becoming only an optional NSTP component, enrollment in the ROTC dropped significantly from more than 800,000 cadets during the academic year of 1999 to 2000 to just 150,000 as of 2011. The number of colleges and universities with active ROTC programs also dropped from 2000 in the year 2001 before the NSTP was enforced to just 500 during the first quarter of 2011. Despite these numbers however, or perhaps because of them, there have been many attempts to bring back mandatory ROTC for students. Most famously, Rodrigo Duterte expressed his intent to revive the program before taking his seat as Philippine president in 2016, and he approved in 2017 the proposal to do exactly that for grades 11 to 12 students in both public and private schools. He certified the proposal as urgent and sent it to Congress, and in 2019, the lower house passed their version of the proposed law. Duterte's push for mandatory ROTC, however, was criticized following his admission in a 2016 speech that he himself did not finish ROTC in college, and two years later elaborated that he even falsified medical documents to excuse himself from the program. There are multiple bills as of this recording, all pending at the committee level, including the measure that Duterte certified as urgent during his presidency. His daughter Sarah, inaugurated as the country's vice president in June 2022, had expressed multiple times her intent of also pushing for the return of mandatory ROTC. Military service in the Philippines remains to be voluntary as of this recording, though Article 2, Section 4 of the 1987 Constitution states, quote, The government may call upon the people to defend the state, and in the fulfillment thereof, all citizens may be required under conditions provided by law to render personal, military, or civil service, end quote. Whether ROTC will become mandatory again remains to be uncertain, but many people are hoping that legislators pushing for it will not forget Mark Wilson Chua, whose life was taken as a direct result of exposing the dark side of the program in trying to correct the system. Thank you for listening to Stories After Dark, a Spotify exclusive powered by Anchor. This story was suggested by Cheska Quinones via the show's Facebook group, as well as Shireen Esquivel on Instagram. The episode was written, narrated, and produced by me, Derek. Music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Stay tuned for a new episode, and to make sure you're updated about the show, please follow Stories After Dark on your Spotify app, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to see the references used for this episode, suggest cases, send personal stories, or further support the show, you can go to storiesafterdark.ph for more information. All of the links are in the episode description. <laughs>